Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. Today on the Beer Healer Interviews, we're in the midst of a celebration, a celebration of life, love and beer. We're talking about a fifth birthday celebration for the brewery from down Frankston Way in Victoria. A brewery, not the actual brewery itself, a physical piece of brew kit that was built for Dainton Brewing when they needed to brew more than their gypsy contracting arrangements would allow them to do. Speaking of, I jumped onto Untapped this week to reminisce about some of the great beers I've had from Dainton, and among the 260-odd that came up, there were quite a few highlights that I can remember, going all the way back to my original favourite, the Red Eye Rye. With all that beer being produced, there has to be a few stories worth telling, so let's see how we go. And joining me today, I've got a trio on the microphone. And founder Dan, head of sales Todd, and brewer Mark. So lads, welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having us. This could uh, go anywhere with the three of you trying to answer the question, but that's okay. Now, I've um, just got to crumple some paper. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Yeah. Now, look, I've got to apologise, guys, for not having a beer with you uh, this afternoon. This is my lunch here at my real job, so uh, I've got a meeting with my boss from Denmark just after this, so um, I'm enjoying a man shake. Have a look at that beautiful pink juice I've got here. Uh, I would much rather be having a beer, but um, that's just how it goes, so I apologise. If you guys want to crack a beer, Feel free. I don't know if that's the done thing over your way. Uh, well, look, you know, I think maybe maybe back in the heyday it was, mate. Um, <laughs> and, and certainly I feel like, you know, that was my job for about eight years was to, uh, to drink and be paid to drink. Uh, in fact, something just popped up on my Facebook the other day saying, yes, that is my job from eight years ago to drink beer. So <laughs> nice. uh, any wonder we have survived until now. Uh, Dan, I'm pretty sure I've met you in the past because – you started your brewing career at the Portland Hotel, which was, of course, a James Squire brew house, and I used to look after Tazzy's craft beer with Lion. So I'm pretty sure at some stage we've fumbled across each other at a Lion conference or something along or one of the old craft beer meetups, I'm going to say. Probably, mate. We're probably there um, trying not to drink anywhere near as much as Freshy and um, get him blown <laughs> out of the water by him. So, uh, yes, possibly. Good old Freshy. Good old Freshy. Yes. And yet another brewer to come out of the malt shovel family. I mean, there's a... There's a bloody lot of you now. You're spread from Perth to North Queensland, down to Melbourne, everywhere in between. You're all over the place, aren't you? Yeah, there's a few of us. Um, and, and it's a bit of a funny story, actually, uh, getting that job at uh, James Squire. Um, I was working at a home brew shop and this uh, bloke popped in and he's looking for a bit of grain to uh, to quickly take back up to Sydney. And um, anyway, he rang up and got the grain for him and he came in and just happened to be a mate of mine from, from good old Shepparton. And I was like, well, what are you doing, mate? He's like, oh, I work for James Squire up in Sydney. And I'm like, oh, awesome. He's like, that's a brewer. I'm like, that's amazing. And anyway, a quick catch up and see each other in 10 years. And then about a week later, he rings me up and says, oh, my boss wants to talk to you about a job. I'm like, okay. And uh, that's sort of how I <laughs> sort of how I got the job. And then about two or three years later, uh, my old man said, oh, yeah, Hamish, um, he's your cousin. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, his mum's my cousin. And I'm like, holy shit. So there you go. So it was and, Hamish uh, that was Hamish that was getting the grain. 
Hey, Amish just getting your own. Oh, um, okay. And now he is head brewer at Hawkers. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so uh, Marzen didn't know that that we've infiltrated him. So if he's uh, listening, which obviously he is listening because he he's is. listening to everything. So he does. Uh, he loves it. I love having a chat with Marzen. It's um, it's actually something that Chris Sheen's really proud of. I don't know if you've ever seen. Uh, he's got a spreadsheet that sort of tracks who was where. And I think he's even had it printed at the Malt Shovel Brewery of where everybody's gone since they left. Uh, yeah, so cool. Pretty, pretty good achievement. But my question for you is then, uh, can you do a Chuck Hahn impression? Uh, I, I don't think I can, mate. My ears are aren't big enough. Oh, I thought every single person that came through that craft beer team could do a, a Chuck impression with the window panes of Ruby Mahogany or something like that. No, I, I, I don't think so. I need to spend a heap of time with Chuck, um, more more time with Freshy or um, – yep. What, what do we call him? The, the grey-haired uh, Bill Murray. The grey-haired Bill Murray. <laughs> He's a good bloke, Freshie. I've I got a lot yeah. of time for him. He's an absolute ripper. So uh, yep. anyway, let's move on. So look, the, the beers that Dainton are producing, you know, these days is a bit of a step up in complexity and flavour than the old uh, James Squire lineup. Was that sort of the appeal for you stepping out of that that brewery and, and sort of starting to do your own thing where you could maybe, you know, get creative and spread your wings as a brewer? Yeah, there was a, a, a there was a moment I think um, where it was time to leave, and it was actually Chuck Hart related. <laughs> um, I had brewed a this was two thousand I think it was two thousand eleven, so ten years ago. And you got to remember that there was about I think oh my maybe ten Victorian craft breweries at that point in time. You know, yep. you only really get Mountain Goat, Grand Ridge, um, Holgate. Bridge Road. Anyway, so it was all quite new and I brewed a double dry hop black India rye IPA at the Portland Hotel and um, Chuck Hahn came down and he was drinking and I go, what do you think, Chuck? He's like, oh, no, 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 it's too many hops. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I just remember going, well, fuck you, Chuck, and um, I'm going to do my own thing. So, yeah. anyway, um, yeah, look, it was, it was a great place to start and a really, really good um, team of people at um, at Light and uh, James Squire, uh, but yeah, like it was it was always um, a pathway I think to to something else. And from there, I was at Holgate, and um, yeah, that was another great learning experience. Um, but again, yeah, not a lot of experimentation. Um, but it was good for the other thing, which is trying to get everything right. You know, Paul, process. Paul super process. Paul super fastidious. Um, yeah. You know, I keep telling him I've stolen his recipes, and yeah. You know, He's never forgiven me, I think, for that, but uh, I, I haven't. <laughs> I, I haven't, Paul. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel. First up, Apple Podcasts. If you've got it on your phone, find the Beer Healer interviews, scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. Hey, Mark, did uh, did Dan instill that love of process into you when you came to work for nah. No. Nah. Mark, Mark, Mark already had Mark had that down pat. <laughs> where, where did you come from, Mark? Um, well, I started here about three years ago. Um, I mean, I've been brewing for probably about 25 plus years, just home brewing, win a few awards and stuff like that. Uh, How many different styles of beer did you make in 25 uh, years? One. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, 
great grandfather's Vienna lager and that was it. <laughs> uh, I brewed a few, but I brewed probably about 180-something batches of Vienna lager till I nailed it. And I sort of was in an app. I worked for Mountain Goat probably around 15 years ago, just the end of the packaging line, just to get my feel for it. But I actually came from a, an architecture background. Oh, of course. I, um, yeah. I'm still, believe it or not, director of an architecture practice and um, did that for 25, 20 years, something like that. And, um, yeah, just loved brewing that much and loved the science behind it too that went back to uni and, um, yeah, sort of, yeah, got back into commercial brewing and absolutely love it. And, yeah, nice. um, yeah taken a lot of that across from that, you know, everything I learned in architecture across to brewing and, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. <laughs> everything you learned in Everything you learn in architecture came across to brewing. I'm hoping you're taking oh, yeah. the piss. <laughs> yeah, was, um, we drank a lot. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And, um, yeah, it was quite – you have to be quite methodical and, you know, precise and detailed yeah, with it yeah. all. And, um, yeah, brewing is a bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to nail absolutely everything to get it right. And, um, yeah, it sort of – a lot got carried over, funny enough, but um, – yeah, it's yeah, it's just incredible here, and um, nice. yeah, oh. having and what a bit about of fun. You? Todd, uh, what's what's your background, mate? Well, mate, um, look, I probably don't have the the most obvious kind of a um, career path into, into beer. Um, I was actually I sort of left school and bummed around and just you know. Uh, do what most people do and, um, you know, work behind bars and those sort of things. Um, and I was offered an apprenticeship as a mechanic. So I'm actually a mechanic by trade. Okay. Um, so I did that for about eight years um, and, you know, hated it. The only thing that ever changed was the colour of the car you're working on. You know, there was no real creative outlets or anything like that. So um, decided to, to go back to uni and um, yeah, I did a degree in, uh, in, uh, in arts, you know, just purely self-indulgent. You know, uh, <laughs> did a minor in performance, which probably is the best sales training I've ever had. Yeah, you know, with uh, with that sort of things. But um, at the same time, I sort of quit smoking and I started homebrewing because I needed something else to uh, you know to kind of spend the money on. I need another hobby. Yeah. Uh, quickly realised I was absolutely shit at homebrewing and um, leave that to to the other guys. So I thought that uh, you know my passion was more around um, you know the the stories and the and the uh, you know the the um, the culture, uh, the history, the uh, the traditions, and those sort of things, and it sort of took me on a bit of a different path. So I um, yeah went to finish my degree and um, you know picked up uh, the the reins early on with Phoenix Beers, uh, more on the import side, um, and you know cut my chops with those guys, and um, yeah just lo- love yeah you know, love everything there is about beer. Um, I just can't brew this stuff, mate. That's Sort of Mate, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty much with you. I've, I've tried my best, but I, I think I'm much better at drinking it than uh, than brewing it. That is absolutely for sure. But that's I'm very okay. good at drinking it. Very good. That's, that's <laughs> uh, what you're not good at is IT, as we've all realised this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. IT Last is not to the my interview. Jam. No, so that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> so back to the whole Dainton story. It was started off as a, a gypsy brewing operation. Uh, you said there's only about ten craft breweries. In the state at the time, so how did oh, you? Look, I completely made that up. Um, no, I, I, I actually don't know that. how many, but yeah, yeah, we'll go with ten. Yeah. <laughs> Was it hard to try and find a gypsy brewing partner back in those days? 
Yes, it was. Um, I ended up brewing at seven different breweries until, yes, we built ours. So, yeah, we had all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, quality control issues, which I think have (laughs) haunted us until this day, until, you know, every second word that Todd says is quality and every third word is consistency. So, um, yeah, and um, so, yeah, it was difficult. Um, And, you know, at one point we couldn't make beer for about six months, I think. Um, Oh, just because there was no capacity in any of those breweries? Um, Yeah, there was just tiny bits of capacity, a couple of really, really small ones. Um, I think there was some at Red Duck um, and we we could do some at Mildura, but we just couldn't get the beer the way we wanted at Mildura. They weren't really set up for hobby ales um, and, yeah, basically ran production space at Hawker's, um, so, which is where we get most of it made. So, yeah, we um, we certainly had a tough time. But I was making some up at Jamison, some at Brooks in Bendigo, um, and then, yes, there was um, Cavalier as well where we made a fair bit of it at too. But, yes, they um, booted us out on a couple of occasions as well. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a real challenge. Yeah. Bloody hell, just um, it almost sounds like a bloke who's got – half a dozen mistresses, like trying to keep them all in check and keep everybody happy and manage the schedule. It's, Jesus, a lot of work. It was. Um, and, you know, that, that's the other part. Of, no, not, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, it was. It was hectic. You know, there was going all over the place. And I think, you know, looking back, um, it, I don't, it, it really wasn't worth doing in any way other than going, wow, that was a fucking stupid idea. Um yeah, you know, we would have just been better off biting the bullet straight away and building our own thing. Um, but hard to see that at the time. And, um, yeah. you know, three years between starting in 2013 till making our first beer in 2016, yeah, it was a long time. So I think, yeah. I, was, I, think I was divorced and married twice in that time as well. So the uh, – You'd – sorry – you you got married, got divorced, got no, married. I got, I, yeah, I think I got. Sorry, I got divorced, got married, and then got divorced again. Some, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so beer is your your true love that's um, stayed the course the whole way through. It, let, let's just say it's my true mistress, anyway. Your true mistress. <laughs> <laughs> right. So somewhere in the whole mix of this, your old man came along and. Uh, he, he wanted to jump in and do this with you. So how, how did that conversation go? Were you guys just sitting down one night at the table talking about your second divorce and said, I think we should start a brewery? Um, yeah, well, Dad's had two divorces as well. Um, <laughs> like so, father, like son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think Mum's had two as well. So there you go. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, a real family affair. Um, it started, started a while ago. It would have been before, even before I think I started the home brew shop, which was about – uh, how old am I, 39, 13 years ago maybe, I think. Um, I was talking about a beer brand and that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was like, you know, give us a, give us a hand. Oh, man, he's like, oh, nah, don't, I don't believe it. You're not serious. I'm like, okay. So I went and um, started brewing um, in the backyard and got the job at the, the um, home brew shop, went and started studying at um, Ballarat Uni and then I got a job at James Clyde, then got a job at Holgate and, in that time, um, yeah, the old man was watching closely going, oh, maybe you are semi-serious about it. And I think it got to towards the end of my time at Holgate and he was just like, I hear this craft beer thing's a really good idea. We should get to that, eh? Hey? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> funny that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of how that started. And it was really, 
um, Dad basically paid for the first batch of ingredients and um, that's sort of how we started. And then I was doing all the brewing, all the sales, and um, he got a lot more involved when we built the brewery and um, that's, yeah, uh, when he sort of came on a little bit more um, and certainly became a lot more of a pain in my bum and probably vice versa. So, yeah, and, and that, now he's mainly Todd's um, pain in the ass. He's so, pain in yeah. my bum. No, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Love you, Kev. So, you know, going back to that stage where you're sort of making this transition from Gypsy to, um, you know, having your own brewery, which we're celebrating the fifth anniversary of right, right about now sort of thing, what – was it just purely a money thing when you first started that you said, I've got to go gypsy? Or were you sort of like just maybe, as your dad was saying, like, you know, testing out whether you actually were going to be really any good at this bloody thing? Um, look, for me, I had no money. Um, I was just coming out of divorce number one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think um, – it was probably just a, I want to start, I want to do it now. And, you know, I'll just, I can be very much like that still. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to do it without really thinking about it. And, um, yeah, then I, so I think it was, let's just go and let's just get some beer out there and um, we'll look for a place. And it just took a fucking long time to find somewhere. The old man wanted to buy the property, which just made it so much more complicated because, uh, right. yeah, yeah, he had to find something that was going to suit his needs. And look, it would have been a lot better off just renting somewhere to begin with. However, um, we didn't. And um, that, that's probably all that was. So it wasn't really a money thing. It was just a um, probably more of a security thing from Kev's point of view. Um, yeah. Have to ask him about that. But he just, he, he's for a long time didn't believe, I think, in the business. Um, always believed in the bricks and mortar, um, but the business was like, oh well, yeah, I just I, I can't see, I can't see how this is going to work. Um, where all of his businesses have been very profitable from day one, this one's been very much cash forwards, and then with the hopes of making a profit later. Yes, um, which yep. is what I knew and what I told him day one. So it looks going to take us years to actually get a return on investment. Um, but, yeah, he didn't, he didn't love that idea, so I think it was more of a, <laughs> well, if I own the property, at least I've got that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so Dad's a bit of an entrepreneur, is he? Um, yeah, he is. He's a born entrepreneur, I think. Um, him and his twin brother, um, hearing some of their stories from when they were very, very young, doing all kinds of crazy shit like stealing pumpkins from the next-door neighbour and then selling them down the market and... <laughs> That's called theft in my part of the world. <laughs> not not when six years old, mate. It's not. No, so. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Todd, yeah. has he ta- has he taught you uh, many things? And now that you're under his wing, Kev. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, it's a nice segue to our new pumpkin beer that we've got coming. Out. No, I'm just no. <laughs> no, look, Kev. Um, Kev is a he's. He's a lot of fun, Kev. He really is. Um, he's he's one of the most down to earth people that you'll meet, um, and you know, I think um, you know. Has I, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Has he has he taken me under his wing? Probably, prob- probably not. To be honest, no. like, I'll, I'll answer for you, Todd. Yeah, no, no. no. I think Kev's removed <laughs> removed yeah. enough now, and like I probably do most of the work with Kev, and then probably will. Um, Todd's come on in the last couple of years and, and really probably worked closely, most closely with myself and, and Will as okay. well. So, yeah, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, you have to explain that. Um, look, yeah. Kev has got a huge amount to offer. He's just 
this industry is quite new for him and he's never been fully, fully in it. So I think it's um, it can be hard at times to offer a lot of guidance when um, he hasn't been in the industry. But um, as far as running a business goes, he's got a lot of nous in Guns that. Shit. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So where the whole idea to go down the peninsula, where did that come from? Are you guys from there originally or did it seem nah. like there's an opportunity down there? Yeah, um, we just try and get as far away from um, everyone and everything as possible. I think so. We're from she- we're from Shepparton. We thought Shepparton. Where, where, where can we be? <laughs> yeah, it is a long way. Um, look, we I did a huge amount of work on, on the demographics around Melbourne, um, and basically, yeah, where I thought would be a great place to have a, a bar more so than a brewery. And um, Caram Downs is certainly not on the list. Neither was Frankston. <laughs> the, the peninsula was. However, we uh, at the start we really wanted to do something like some of the breweries down Margaret River had done. Um, you know, some beautiful properties, more winery yeah. style with a yep. brewery on it. Peninsula, um, well, the Moynton Council wanted nothing to do with it, and they still really don't unless you've got a hundred thousand acres or something, and you've got. Four zillion dollars to bribe them. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm saying that. I'm calling them out because we're not their shire. We're, we're not their shire. We're at the Franks do play. <laughs> but yeah, they, they were not excited by that prospect at all. Um, so uh, we started looking a bit further in. And again, it probably came down to Kev saw value in the property at Caram Downs more than anything. Uh, yep. And that's yep. we we've been down this way, and that was um, where we sort of um, landed. And I I planned on moving down um, to the peninsula as well, uh, which I only just moved away from there this year. So that was really um, we looked at other areas like Yarra Valley. Um, we looked very seriously at a property in Castle Main, which is a sister um, uh, property to what Little Creatures now have in Geelong. So it was a woolen mill factory there. So. Yep. Yeah, we nearly got that, um, but we decided not to go ahead in the end for a few reasons. So yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So you've been five years in the Caram Downs Brewery. If you were to use one word to describe the last five years, and I'm throwing this open to any of you there, what would you? What word would that be to describe it? Fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's probably that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think fuck, <laughs> fuck's a good one. Um, in, insanity, I think, is probably what comes to my mind, but that might just be summarising myself. Um, hectic, chaotic, I don't know, intense. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's sort of fun. Sorry, fun. Fun's, Mark, fun. fun's a big word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, sort of rolls into my next. Question about 265 beers. I mentioned that in the intro. That's a pretty hectic pace over the last sort of five to seven years that you've been producing so many. Um, Is there method in your madness or is it just like we're just going to keep having a crack and see what sticks? There's a method in anyone's madness. (laughs) Isn't that the deal? Yeah, Todd, Todd, you take this one, mate, because we worked closely with you guys at Phoenix um, before you came over. I think they had a part to play with it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that really attracted me to the, the Dayton brand right from word go was um, just just that fun aspect. Um, uh, you know, having sort of worked for many years with the likes of Sierra Nevada and Vine Stefan, really traditional sort of breweries, yeah. um, you know, which taught me the value of the consistency and quality, but also taught me um, 
you know, the ability to have fun with what you're doing and, and the, the, the uh, relationship between art and science, you know. And I think that's something that um, the brand of Dayton has done really well is they, um, they, 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 there's an element of quality that underpins everything that comes out because there's no, there's no classification or, you know, grading system for a squidding belly button fluff beer or whatever we happen to be putting out. But it's got to hit a certain marker for, for the brewers and guys like Mark and Cam and Dan, you know, it's got to, it's got to pass their test, the beer first test before it goes out the door. So there's, there's a definite relationship between what's on the can and what's in the can. But, um, the overall innovation and the fun is really what, um, sort of brought me, uh, aligned with, with Dan. Um, you know, I think we, we're a similar vintage. We like similar music. We find similar things funny. Um, so, you know, we, we tend to be able to work uh, pretty pretty well together on sort of bringing some of those sillier ideas to life, um, but always underpinned by quality. Um, and I think you, you'll sort of see that with uh, the journey of, of Dayton that, um, you know, when, when Dan sort of first started, there was a, uh, you know, that kind of we, uh, weird and wacky and, and fun and um, out there craziness, insanity, all that sort of stuff was really on display. And that's what sort of, uh, yeah. Put, put a bit of spotlight on, on the brand and, and Dan and did that really, really well. But as we sort of, like I said, grown and matured, um, for lack of a better term, um, maturity and age don't often go in the same sentence. But um, the, uh, the um, yeah, with that, I think that our, you know, probably also by, you know, driven by the fact that a lot of other breweries are doing a lot of limited releases, um, you know, that we, we have really sort of focused down on, on, um, you know, getting that quality aspect right, and and the guys playing around the breweries there, they they like you know, uh, chemists and scientists who go out there doing that sort of stuff, and a lot of the time we give them a brief on, of a beer style, and you know it's going to taste like a Viennese ice cream, or it's going to taste like a you know, paddle pop, or a you know chocolate bar, or whatever it is, and these guys not go away. crumble, not a violet crumble, not no, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I resent you bringing that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Resent or resemble, um, yeah. It's, so the, it actually makes the guys better brewers, better better craftsmen at what they do. Is that do. right, Mark? Is is that what you? It makes you better. Yeah, <laughs> I've still got my hair. Sure. So I'm right. <laughs> uh, Mark's yeah. actually sixty-seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not far off it. <laughs> uh, no, it's been. I mean, we've got an awesome team here. I think everyone, every single. One of us here inputs into the beers, and I think that's our strength at the end of the day. We've all got um, what we're good at, and everyone listens to each other. It doesn't matter if you're at the end of the packaging line or, you, you know, you're a head brewer. And it, it all has started with Cam at the end of the day. A head brewer, he couldn't be here today, but um, he, he's, he's been incredible in terms of, you know, taking the challenge of, making a squid ink beer and um, really finessing it and throwing it all us and we all have our input um, into how it's done the whole way through the process. And um, I think I think it was Todd said before, I think the, the big thing we focus on is quality and that that's first and foremost in what what goes out the door. It's, it's not just production here. It's even though we're brewing a lot of beer and we're all pretty busy, at the end of the day, we're, we're really pushing for, you know, the quality of everything yeah. going yeah. out. And so, 
you know, sometimes you speak to, to breweries and you say, why did you put out such and such a beer? And the answer often is to to keep the brewers interested because brewing can so often be so much about cleaning and, and process and producing the same beer the same way every single week that, you know, brewers can often get bored. I, I'm going to say with what you guys produce, like there's no chance of you getting bored for sure. No. <laughs> it's um, we want a bigger core range. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, you've got, so you've brewed some amazing beers over the journey, and I really did love going through Untapped the other night just to remind myself how many of those beers I've tried because. Um, you know, Dainton has had a pretty good presence down in, in uh, Tassie. So I've, I have tried a lot of them and I've sort of settled on what you've got now. So you've basically got your five core range, you've got your two in the Imperial range, and then you have this raft of, uh, you know, high rotation limited releases. How, other than quality and consistency, how has that changed over the year and, and how did you settle on the current sort of um, model, I suppose? Oh, Todd, you can. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah, so, so, um, it was obviously there was there was two elements to that um, that process, and obviously we run the tap house down here, and the the the, the people that come in, the locals, um, you know, something like our draft or an XSA, um, you know, an easy drinking paella was by far the biggest seller. Um, but we couldn't, well, you can't sell that for love nor money outside of of uh, of the tap house. So look, with that, you know, we we sort of had a core range, I suppose, by necessity. Uh, but Dan's real love and the brewers' love was sort of, you know can we do it kind of a, an approach to it, you know, yep. let, let's give it a go. Um, but So when I sort of came across, we sat down and we all sort of had a, had a bit of a, a look at uh, where we were and where we wanted to be and, you know, part of the process was to sort of go through and analyse those beers that made up our, you know, quote, end quote, core range. And none of them really excited us. So we, we kind of went through the, the, the process of, um, you know, rationalising those what were termed as the core beers um, and really sort of brought back into into the uh, into the fray beers that really excited us. So there's beers like uh, Blood Orange, which was sort of came about by that limited release. Uh, Jungle Juice also that was born as part of that limited release schedule. Um, you know, we said, okay, okay, well, where where does Red Eye sit? Where does uh, Draft sit or XSA or those sort of things? And we really wanted beers that excited us. You know, um, to, and like you said, to keep everybody interested. To the guy that sweeps the floor, to the guy that's brewing the beer. To the guy that's pouring the taps, we want people to be interested and excited by the beers that they're doing, and that's really inspired us to kind of, you know, um, yeah, pull. I think I, I said to Dan, like at, at one stage, we were like a Chinese restaurant without rice. We were a brewery without a paylal, and we, yeah. Yeah, that was because we had a paylal, but it just wasn't where we wanted it to be. It wasn't Dayton, um, and like everything, you mature, you evolve, um, you know, and our beer range needed, needed to do that. So, um, you know, we, we introduced the equalizer. Yep. Uh, as a sort of the hazy pale, which really excites us as um, you know, as 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 a brewery and as a brand, um, and also brought back in uh, like a, a pretty you know, sort of a high octane overdrive dip of the hat to the original West Coast IPAs. Yep. Which again, I think um, is a bit of nostalgic for all of us, you know, who sort of started our beer journeys in the in, maybe in the in the nineties when those sort of beers were just starting to to become popular and. You know, we, we sometimes forget those good old days of brewing and it's all about haze <laughs> and it's all about whatever it is. But uh, coming back to those, you know, those kind of roots and just doing it, doing it really well, I think has been, um, you know, what, what really inspires us. And uh, you, I was, was going to say, you don't really have the traditional um, core range. You've got your pink lemonade sour. You, you've got the West Coast. Yeah, okay, that's probably a standard one. You've got your blood orange Nipah, the hazy pale and a hazy IPA. Like uh, no lager, no 
you know, nothing along those lines in that. Um, no traditional pale ale, uh, no no mid-strength. Um, is there also a couple of extras that are only appear on tap at the tap house that sort of maybe you're more, I don't know, mainstreamy entry-level kind of thing? Is that sort of how you run it? Yeah, there is, mate. We do have a couple of tap house exclusives. We have a, a lager uh, and a pale, which are very creatively called uh, Tap One Pale and Tap Two Lager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, the um, yeah, creative creative juices were flying all that, all that uh, heavily that well, day. I reckon I reckon Tap Two has to come out in a in a can as a limited release because they're all the rage again. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> not for you no, guys. No, no. 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 really to sharpen our skills as brewers. <laughs> it's just to make sure we can brew a good lager. But it is. I it think, is an art, isn't it? Oh, it is. But I think what's interesting from sort of our, the brewer's perspective is, um, I mean, we'll, we get to see the tap house when it's open and customers come in, and when you brew beer like. Um, the Flamingo, the uh, pink lemonade beer. And, you know, when we first brewed it, we weren't sure who was going to, you know, who was going to be the target market out there. And I remember the first time I was working at the uh, on the brew deck and I was looking down across the uh, tap house when it got released. And a couple of guys in high-vis shirts came after work from factory around the corner and were drinking some beer at the bar and they got a little sample glass of uh, the plink pink flamingo and I thought oh this is going to go down like a lead balloon and um, they drank it ordered a pint and oh. on the way out they walked out with a six pack each of pink flamingo cans <laughs> oh and nice I see that every time the tap house is open guys in high vis walk in and walk out with a pink flamingo and it's like I mean that that's the reason we do it I mean we're here to be different we're not here to be like everyone else and if we can produce a good quality, different beer that, you know, guys in high vis um, best are coming in and buying. I mean, we've done our job. And I like that it. That drives us. That's yeah, awesome. That, that used to awesome. make me laugh as well. I'd walk out, our, our office is upstairs on the mezzanine and I'd come down on a Friday afternoon uh, for knockoffs, you know, um, and there's all these big burly bearded beer guys, you know, walking around with their pink pints. You know, sipping away on their pink flamingos. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> it takes all sorts. Um, look, thanks. You sent me a few beers down lately. I've, I've really enjoyed them. Can we talk about one of them that you sent down just last week, which is the the D five Nipa, which is the celebration beer for the brewery with uh, El Dorado, Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic, and Sabro. Quite a quite a hot bill there. It's obviously, as I said, uh, celebrating five years of the Caram Downs Brewery. I'm assuming that you guys as brewers just were basically going back to your home brewing roots and using all the leftover bags of hops in that recipe. Is that how it sort of came together? That's how all our beers come together. <laughs> what have we got on the shelves? Why that hop mix? What was was what was special about that? Yeah, well, Cam um, really t- it took a lot of time looking at the recipe of it. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, he was just trying to get, you know, as many good quality hops into one beer and actually produce that quality. And I remember when he was looking through the hops, he was sort of running it past everyone, um, looking at what the end profile is going to be. So a lot of thought went into what was going to be in there. And I guess going with the theme of five years, five hops, and just trying to get those to work. And, yeah, it sort of worked out fantastic in the end. The balance was there. And, um, yeah, because that could go south pretty pretty 
pretty quickly if you yeah. don't. Especially with a bit of Sabro in there too that can be a little bit polarising. I, I want to say that I really enjoyed the beer and I, I agree with you, but I haven't actually tried it yet because I was meant to take it down the shack with me last weekend and I had the cans of that uh, and the Bloodzilla sitting on the uh, on the kitchen bench and they stayed there for the entire weekend accidentally. So tomorrow night I've got two things to do. One, try the D5 and two, drink the 2021 Bloodzilla. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to that. I did I did uh, enjoy the uh, Cherrywood Porter, the smoked cherrywood porter, with a mate who's a um, how do I say? he he drinks uh, James Squire porter and White Rabbit Dark Ale. I was like, hold on a second, let's try something a little bit next level. And uh, he absolutely loved it. He was blown away by how you can get smokiness in a beer. So maybe I've converted him across to the the Dainton products, perhaps. Excellent. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that, yeah. that, that beer. All the cigars smoke to make that beer. That smoking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we all yeah, have to smoke cigars while we're brewing it. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, let's yeah, I mean, let's move on to the next stage of Dainton, which is obviously uh, the new kit that's now in. When when did the whole plan get hatched to to say, okay, we're going to replace the old kit and, and have another crack? Oh, jeez. Um, been thinking about it for quite some time. Oh, I think it was um, towards the end of last year, um, really, like um, we'd, we'd still shown a lot of growth um, with COVID. And I think, you know, everyone was just about ready to like, burn the old kit down and quit. And I think that was probably uh, on the back of that. So we probably should get something that uh, you don't have to spend 47 hours making a single batch of beer on. Oh, so. so what, the, the old kit was just too inefficient was it? Is that was that the whole idea? This is another one of Kev's awesome ideas. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> shout out to Kev. Um, I'm sure. He, look, he came up with some good ideas. I just I can't remember what they were. Um, <laughs> one of the conversations I had at the start of the whole thing was, "Mate, we need to buy a decent brewery, or we're going to be running really inefficiently for a very long time." And uh, he happened to find a very, very cheap um, brewery manufacturer in, in China. And oh. <laughs> yeah, we went that way. And I think we ended up paying about, oh, well, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was um, under 200K, I think. And uh, I think we spent about the same fixing it uh, when we got it over here. Oh, shit. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it was never amazing. Um, but I knew that. Cam, Cam had come from making beer on old dairy equipment and using a forklift, I think, to actually raise his uh, mash tun up to um, <laughs> do the loitering. So um, yeah, I was like, you'll be fine, Cam. Yeah. Cam, Cam was spoiled for a long time, I thought. Luxury. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but it was just time and we were getting beer and, um, yeah, it was. we just need something that was going to make the brewer's lives a lot easier. And I don't think it has because they're just twice as busy now, so... Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, that, so that was the idea that, Was the crowdfunding campaign that you did in, was that 2019 or thereabouts, was that always to to purchase the new kit? Was that the idea with, with that? Um, that was, yeah, that was more. I just wanted to buy a new car, so I just had to get <laughs> Fair enough. Shit. Had to pay for another divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I would have gone for more, I think, in the uh, crowdfunding, if that's the case. <laughs> Um, no, not, not, not so much. Um, there, there was a few things around the, the crowdfunding. There was um, definitely some um, some capital expenses in, in that. Um, but, uh, again, I think a big part of that too was also, you know, I've said this a few times, there's, there's a huge marketing aspect to that as well, I think. 
uh, a lot of a lot of people being aware of us uh, that weren't before. Um, yep. Getting a lot of brand ambassadors on, I think, is fantastic. So yep. yeah, there was um, some capital capital expenditure stuff in there, but the the brew house um, we purchased was a lot more a lot more expensive than what we raised. Yep. Um, yep. From from that, so you were you were pretty much ahead of your time. There's been so much crowdfunding uh, since that happened. How many of the the recent crowdfunding uh, breweries have uh, sought advice from you in in taking their own crowdfunding thing on? None. Oh, really? I thought they would have been at you to see you know the ins and the outs <laughs> and what you worked and what didn't work. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't think I've heard from any of them. Interesting. Oh, well, anyway, you're ahead of your time. So, so you the. Okay, it didn't pay for the new brewery, but the new brewery is now up and running. It's a 40-hex system from what I understand. The last one was 30, 35 or thereabouts, was it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was around about 30, 35. It was um, – Mark could probably tell you why he loved it so much rather than me rattling some, some stuff <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah, the, the last one – I mean, we could get about 30 out in the fermenters, but um, it was – the kit itself was about um, 25 heck. Um, the, the new kit has sort of been up to around about 45, so we're getting about 50, just a bit over 50 heck uh, per turn, which is each batch during the day. So we're, we're able to pretty much get 100 heck fermenter filled in a day at the moment. And we just got two, two shifts and... Um, with the new system, we're able to um, implement more vessels too. So we've got a louder ton in. So while the first brew is getting, um, uh, you, you chase the brew. Yep, we've got the Excellent. next one started. So yeah, nice. we managed to shorten our day and increase out the output. So and the the big thing coming from us as well was, I mean, harping back onto quality is we can really know exactly what's happening with the, the brew. Everything's – we've got flow meters everywhere. We know exactly, you know, to the mill what's getting transferred, what temp it's at, and been able to do do that testing the whole way through the process and adjust it. Uh, means for us as brewers it's, it's just so much easier and the quality controls there. Um, nice. Is and it steam-powered? Um, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> that's it. Sort of. <laughs> that's it with pedal power, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all, all steam jacketed and, um, yeah. yeah, just on pneumatics. But, um, the system we've got in place on it, it's all automated. So, um, it's still, we have to go through and, um, push a few buttons to get it through. But, um, at the moment, it, it is so much easier. We don't have to. Uh, bug around like we used to with um, opening, closing valves. There's a lot more automation involved, and um, yeah, just just being able to be able to step back a bit, move on to the next task, rather than um, just trying to be 100 percent of the time at, at the brew. Sort of making it a lot easier uh, for yeah. us. Um, Fair enough. But when output's gone up. Probably you know, 100 heck a day at the moment, it's looking it's like. So. More opportunity to create uh, weird and wonderful beers, isn't it? Yeah, oh, exactly. It gives us more time. So. <laughs> nice. I, when, I, when I talk to people about the breweries and stuff, I always ask them to compare themselves to another sort of well-known brewery. So at 40 heck, pumping out 100 um, into the fermenters, who, who else that people would know would be similar sort of size and setup? Um, do, doing the same thing or a similar... 
Similar sort Size. of – I just – like because when the people – you say a 40-heck kit and people are like, oh, yeah, cool. I don't – that doesn't mean much to me if I'm not inside the industry. I'm just sort of a comparative type size brewery perhaps. Um, yeah, look, I think at the moment uh, Kaiju are probably a similar size. I think they've got a few bigger tanks. I think they're a little way ahead of us. Uh, I think Hop Nation are probably similar size. Yep. Um, I know when Mornington were operating, they had 35 heck. Um, Holgate have a 50. Um, Bridge Road, I think, have a 30 maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have to check. Uh, those guys are pumping out lots of beer too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't necessarily – the size of the actual kit doesn't always necessarily mean that's how much beer you're pumping out. So, like, I think we've got a bigger kit than a few of those guys who are, are turning over more beer than us. Their tank farm's bigger. Um yeah, per se, if that makes sense. So yep. um, as far as leaders coming out, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely up there. Um, but, yes, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what those figures the, are. Someone threw around the magical <laughs> one million number that maybe uh, – I don't know what's Todd doing. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, Todd, I think you've got to put your headphones back in, mate, because we're getting ourselves coming back through uh, your – your microphone, I think. Right. Sorry. Told you on the IT. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Somewhere I heard this week that the you know the magical one million liters had been thrown around about you guys. Is that uh, is that a possibility? That's definitely an aim for the next year. Nice. Um, yeah. My, my aim and Mark's there just going. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, um, I think we're, we're already running at that kind of a speed now. So, um, yeah, I'd be expecting Mark would be able to at least do that himself. I would have thought oh, yeah, with everything yeah. else he does. Yeah. I sleep here now. Just, 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 in, lim- <laughs> just in limited beers. <laughs> so, um, so did the whole COVID, because this sort of was all happening in and around COVID, did, that, did the COVID thing, the shutdowns and all that sort of stuff, obviously that, hindered you in a number of ways. You obviously had to pivot and try new things. But did it also give you a bit of a chance to stop and think and and set this new course for Dainton in terms of the new brewery and, and the things that came off the back of that? Well, funny, like with, with COVID, mate, I um, literally drove across from the other side of the country as the, the country was shutting down. Um, oh, so I, I you know, arrived in Melbourne um, straight into lockdown. Um, and been there ever since. And <laughs> still am. Um, yeah. So yeah, when it did shut down, obviously there was there was all those sort of fears that uh, every everyone in the industry had, and um, you know. But uh, Dayton had never been um, you know really an, an on premise focused brand. It was very much about the experience of taking the beers home and enjoying them and sharing them and those sort of things. So yeah, we probably didn't get as hurt as a lot of other guys did. Um, but uh, the, the, the kegs that we did have, um, we actually bought them back in-house, um, all the orphaned kegs we call them, and um, we, we blended them up and we did, one of the first releases we did when I was here was those keg beers that we bought back in-house and uh, we released one as uh, Pandemic Punch and that was the um, – the, the fruited beers and the sours, and then we blended the rye beers together and did one called Rysolation. Um, just to sort of, <laughs> so that was that was sort of my um, welcome to the to the brewery in that first couple of months. But it did, mate. It, COVID, um, you know, the, the the silver lining to that is it removed a lot of the noise, a lot of the um, 
you know, beer events and, and um, you know, a lot of the stuff that just takes up a lot of resources um, and for not a lot of gain. So it allowed us just a little bit of clear air to sort of stop and go, okay, well, who do we want to be when we sort of pop back out? And, you know, while the, not having the, the tap house up and running has been, um, you know, painful, um, look, I think a, as a brand we've taken some huge steps in the last 18 months and, um, you know, when we do get back to some sort of normality, um, we'll be in pretty good stead, mate. Sounds good. I was chatting with Mars in the other week and he was saying how, you know, as these lockdowns have changed, so has the sort of the beer industry in Victoria. You know, to start with, there was government money, you know, people were spending that. The mood was sort of a lot different. It was like, well, I'm I'm stuck in this thing for a short time. I'm going to treat myself. Or I might get some of the, you know, the, the higher ABV beers or wines and the special stuff, whatever it was be. But then as time went on, people got sort of angrier and, and more fed up. You know, the handouts stopped coming and, you know, maybe people didn't have the, the cash to treat themselves to some of those special treats and they went from, you know, maybe buying limited releases, double IPAs just to pale ales and, and maybe, I don't know, a case of VB or something along those lines. So, and for some of the breweries in Victoria, depending on how they were set up, which is what you're saying then, it, it hurt more than others. Do you, did you see those sorts of changes as well? Oh, for sure, mate. Um, yeah, it was a bit novel in the beginning, you know, everyone was sort of locking down and then, you know, it, it just, it was, it was kind of fun working from home, you know, um, it's uh, no one else has never, never been through a pandemic. This is this is a bit novel. This is a bit exciting. It's a bit fun. Um, and I think that um, breweries like us, plus the other guys, probably did benefit from that little bit of, uh, you know, candy man, a bit of sugar being sprinkled from Canberra around the place. And, you know, people yep. had a, a whole lot of time and extra bit of money and, you know, were chasing experiences. So they'd go down the bottle shop and where they, instead of going to the bar where there was you know, 12 options, they'd go to a bottle shop where there's 200 options. And, you know, they were, they were starting to get a little bit more engaged in, in the craft beer and, and uh, we did a, a bit of online stuff, some masterclasses and that sort of stuff to really engage uh, the customers in the early days as well. And so I think um, you know, us, like everybody else, really benefited from that from that first few months in terms of, um, you know, people just looking for something different, people just looking to explore, try try different yeah. things. Um, so uh, but I you know, flipped that over and, um, yeah, look, what, what you were saying there about um, you know, the breweries and, and, and there's not as much disposable income. Um, you know, the, the lockdown is getting a little bit uh, long in the tooth now. We're all sort of starting to feel it. Um, there is a different buying patterns. Um, you know, throw, throw a bit of winter over the top of that. And, you know, we did see some downward trends there for a couple of months, which, um, you know, uh, it's, and, and, and I think that, um, you know, our breweries probably set us, you know, we, we probably use that time to set ourselves up, um, you know, probably steal ourselves a little bit more than, then uh, some of the other guys in terms of um, yeah the, the distribution points we've got now are really going to support us through that those cold hard times and um, you know um, from what we had maybe eighteen months ago so I think we're a little bit more pandemic proof than uh, what we were back then and you know we've still got the uh, the on premise side of things which we haven't really sunk our teeth into at all in the last eighteen months since I've been here so uh, that's that's exciting as well to to sort of take those core yeah, ranges nice. you guys have changed your sales distribution type arrangements as well, haven't you, sort of during COVID? Yeah, we did, mate. Um, April 1st, we took back um, – the April 1st last year, we took back the, the direct sales model. Yep. Um, so uh, the operation obviously had been through Phoenix as a uh, distribution unit, um, you know, and they were very good. But, uh, yeah, with those kind of relationships, it's, it's, you can only grow to a, to a certain point for both parties where the yep. margin structures just, just don't make, make any sense anymore. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, that was, that was part of that. So we moved across on April 1st, and I remember this quite um, – yeah, quite vividly, our first beer was a Squid Ink um, 
Goza, and we put it out on on social media on, on April first, and people actually thought it was a joke. They said, "This is your April." I go, "No, no, that's that's what we do." That's, real. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. I like that. <laughs> so, but, how many how many people you've got out selling the beer on the road these days? Uh, yeah, so we've got um, a couple of guys running around in, in Melbourne, in well, not well, working from home at the moment, but um, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, representing us uh, in Melbourne. We've got um, a guy up in New South Wales. Um, we service. Uh, oh, sorry, we've got a guy over in WA. Um, we service Tassie through uh, you know, your neck of the woods through through the polka dot and the subdistributors yep. down there. Um, yeah, and the rest of the stuff is is sort of handled from afar. Um, we like to think when the borders do open up, uh, Dan can get out again and start uh, shaking babies and kissing hands and you know, doing all the things <laughs> that he needs to do um, to, to sort of get you know, sort of solidify a little bit more of those markets. But yeah. um, really, the focus for us, mate, when we sort of pop out of this, is to really start to um, you know push push a little harder into our own postcode. Um, it's something that's kind of uh, always been a little bit. Um, uh, you know, on the on the back burner because of the uh, Phoenix beers relationship. So we've got a very strong footprint over in uh, in WA where where Phoenix are based, um, which which is a great great launch pad. So we just thought it was best to uh, to sort of I guess water those seeds and get those to sort of sprout uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, fish where the fish are, all those kind of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely some uh, going to be a part of our focus as we sort of come out of this COVID situation to to sort of double down in our in our neighbourhood in our postcode. How big is the opening party going to be at the tap house when things eventually open up? <laughs> It'll be more than one pair four square metres, mate, I think. Is there. <laughs> <laughs> and is, is Dan going to play? Like I see his guitar in the background of the picture. Is he going to be playing on stage a few tunes perhaps? Pro- pro- probably more likely um, that than, um, than smashing 800 beers, I think. But um, who knows? Who knows what will happen? <laughs> Todd, Todd, I think, um, might jump on the drums. I'll jump on the uh, guitar. <clears throat> Paulie can do some singing. Um, and Kev can do the tamarinds. What are you going to do, Mark? I'll drink. <laughs> he's, he's done his job. The, the beer's been brewed. He's done his job. He just needs to do a few more, I think. So, so, uh, so, what else happens for the future then? What are we? What are we going to see in the next twelve months from you guys? Oh wow! Um, more of the same with the big limited release focus. Uh, look, we've, we've peeled those back to a, a fortnightly release. Now they're they're really. Um, Labor, labor heavy, and they're not very cost yeah. efficient. You know, every new beer has a new design, new new recipe. There's no real efficiencies in it. So, um, look, the, from a business purely nuts and bolts, you know, um, dollars and cents aspect of it is is not great. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to to sort of do what we do and continue to have fun, uh, innovation, like that quality consistency piece. Like none of that's really changed. It's just yeah. um, you know, the, the way you know, the, the way that we deliver it now and. Um, with a bigger brew house, we've got a bigger team here. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, look, more of the same, 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 but different. Watch this space. Yeah, fair enough. And, uh, and Dan, what about you? I mean, Kev's stepped back, stepped back a bit. You're still heavily involved. Do you think you want to hand the brewery down to your kids one day or something like that? Uh, look, um, my son's been there a few times and he is very excited to just work on the canning line. That's all he wants to do. He's just like, yeah, I, I like the cans. How old like, okay. <laughs> uh, he's, he's 48. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's nine, nine years old, mate, so he's not too yeah. far away for some um, cheap uh, cheap labour. That's um, right. 
Yeah, look, it, I say hand down to the kids, yes, but at the same time, look, you know, I, I want them to be able to do what they want to do with their lives as well. So if they've got an interest in it, absolutely. Like my um, our general manager's my brother-in-law, so he's in there as well. Um, so, yes, we've already got family involved in this camp as well. well. I was going to be cheeky and say, oh, you know, either hand it down to the family or maybe you've got James Brindley on speed dial. Who's James Brindley? The CEO of Lion. <laughs> just to... All right. <laughs> no, no, don't remember James. Never heard of him. No, no, Tony Jones was. Uh... Oh, yeah, Tony. Yeah, oh. I was being cheeky because of the whole stone and wood sale. That's, I was trying to be clever. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> it's gone straight over your head. I'm sorry. Did, did stone and wood buy Lion do that? Very funny. Hilarious, are that? No, I, I always joke about um, you know breweries. You know everybody's got a, everybody's got a price, and someone used to say that Stoner would would never have a price, but obviously everybody does have a price. So, uh, I, I, absolutely, mate. I think for five hundred billion bucks, we walk away <laughs> tomorrow. So it's, cheap, yeah, cheap. That's right. Uh, yeah, good well, stuff. What, what what will we do? You know. Well, that's go, right. Go you still got to get through the rest of your life. You got to have something to do. That's it. Yeah, It'd get get pretty lonely on your own island, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Well, uh, I've got to say thanks very much for uh, for jumping on today. My apologies, as I said, uh, for not having you on earlier. It's it's always been part of the plan, but I have no uh, no person helping me to organise these things, and often uh, whoever just screams the loudest and says, hey, can I jump on, is the person that jumps on. So, uh, Todd, thanks for reaching out, mate, because you're uh, a big part of why we've had this chat today. You've been you've been great sending me down some beers too. I've really enjoyed those. So uh, thanks very much. Look forward to seeing what you guys do for you know, in the future with this new kit and all these uh, cool beers you're coming out. So uh, thanks very much and cheers to great beers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, thanks Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.